0: And welcome to True Crime with Mari. Here, we sit down and shed some light on true crime that is never really heard of, or talked about. From past crimes to our recent present, let's go through the facts of each case, from backstory to where it is now. A small note and disclaimer before we start. This case deals with heavy topics such as homophobia, body mutilation, necrophilia, necrofetishism ephebophilia, pedophilia, assaults, and murder. So please, if you cannot handle such topics or need a break from hearing these things, please do. There will be future episodes that can be more tolerable to stomach. So without further ado, let's get on to the case of the Muswell Hill Murderer, Dennis Nelson. One note before we begin, since I will be mentioning addiction. If you are struggling with it, do reach out for help if you need from both family, friends, and or a hotline or through rehab. It's very hard to deal with and you shouldn't feel faulted for dealing with it. Steps can be taken to always help. Please reach out to your local hotline if needed. Now on to the case. Dennis Andrew Nilsson was born on November 23rd in 1945. His father is Olav Magnus Mokshane, which later on in life he would take on the surname Nilsson. He was a Norwegian soldier that had evacuated to Scotland after Nazis had overtaken his home country during World War II. His mother is Elizabeth Duthie White. They had both married in the year of 1942 and had two other children other than Dennis, their names being Olav Jr. and Sylvia. Dennis Nilsson was said to have a quiet childhood in the countryside with his mother, siblings, and grandparents, and going through the lifestyle, which later on in life he would describe as cold and dour. His father was said to be away and way too preoccupied with his duties, While he was a part of the free Norwegian forces. And it was also said that his mother, Elizabeth, their relationship with Dennis was a cold and distant one. Both Elizabeth and Olav's marriage was said to be a difficult one as Olav Sr. was said to never be around except around the time his three children were conceived. His mother, soon in 1948, concluded that they had rushed into marriage without thinking and soon divorced that year after the birth of Sylvia, their third child. Dennis was said to be very close, and some say even too close, to his maternal grandfather, Andrew White, who was a fisherman that unfortunately passed away of a heart attack at 62 in October uh, of 1951 in that time Nilsen was roughly six years old Nilsson says that he blames his grandfather's death for fusing his idea of love and death and had claimed that his grandfather was an alleged pedophile however as I continue to talk about this case the fact that Dennis Nilsson tended to lie and or dra- dramatized or romanticized th- most things that he has done or things that were done to him, as well as the fact that there was never any evidence of his grandfather ever abusing him mentally, physically, emotionally, or sexually. Growing up, when Nilsson had reached puberty, he had become more aware about his sexuality and at one point it is said that he molested his younger sister Sylvia and his older brother Olaf Jr. It is said that his older brother uh, belittled and degraded him after one incident waking up to finding his brother touching him. When Dennis Nelson was roughly 15 or 16 years old, he had enlisted in the military as a butcher in the Army's Catering Corps, which is where he learns certain skills for later on in his life. In roughly 1972, he returned home for some time, as to which there was a fallout between Nelson and his family. He ended up leaving that year to London and began police training at roughly 27 years old in early 1973. In 1975, he began to cohabitate with a man by the name of David Gallican while living at 195 Melrose Avenue. In the beginning of the pair living together, it was said that Nilsson had felt content and that he was living happily and comfortably with his roommate. However, as time went on, their quote unquote relationship broke down and Galligan went on to claim that they never had an intimate or romantic relationship. However, no one knows if that is true as many speculate that there was. In 1977, Galligan moved out and then a year later, is when Dennis Nelson began his roughly five-year spree. Now, I will go into the victims. Just know that there are many who are unidentified, but I will give as much information about them as I can. In late 1978, 14 year old stefan dean holmes was the first of many that dennis Nelson had taken from this world stefan holmes had gone to a pub one night called the cricklewood arms after attending a pop concert in willisden that night he hadn't been able to buy alcohol at the pub However, Nilsen had invited Stephen Holmes back to his flat at 195 Melrose Avenue where they would drink until the young boy fell asleep, only to awaken to being strangled until he was fully unconscious and then drowned in a bucket of water. Dennis Nilsen then hid Holmes' body under the floorboards for several months. He went as far as to sleep next to the body. Many speculate that he would bring the boy's body out to act to act out things that those in a relationship would or act out any sexual acts. Nielsen had said his reason for killing him was that he was afraid that the boy would leave him. In a letter that he had wrote, It had said, and I quote, I had started down the avenue of death and possession of a new kind of flatmate, end quote. In late 1979, Kenneth Ockenden was a 23 year old Canadian tourist that was spending an entire day sightseeing and had met Nelson at a pub and ended up agreeing to go back to Nelson's home for dinner and more drinks. Kenneth was then strangled with a set of headphone wires. His disappearance was one of the few that would be reported. As we continue, you can assume that he had done similar things with the other victims' bodies, taking and acting as if they were in a relationship, or using their bodies to an act, sexual acts, then hiding them under the floorboards up to a certain point while he lived at 195 Melrose Avenue. In the early 1980s, a 16-year-old Martin Duffy happened to be homeless at the time and was invited to stay at Nilsson's home for the night. He was strangled and drowned in the kitchen sink He was then bathed and hidden under the floorboards as well. Later that year, William Sutherland, who was 26 at the time, he was a sex worker and had met Nilsen at a pub in Piccadilly Circus. And they returned back to the flat. Dennis couldn't recall how he had murdered William Sutherland other than the fact that he had strangled him. Roughly a month later, the next man to be murdered was never identified, but Nilsson could only remember the fact that he had met him at Kirklewood Arms, that he was an Irish laborer with rough hands, that he wore an old suit and jacket, and that he was estimated to be roughly 27 or 30 years old. The next man was estimated between the ages of 20 and 30, and that he was either of Filipino or Hispanic descent. Nelson had met him at Cricklewood Arms a month later after the last. A month later, close to the end of that long year of 1980, this man, who is also unidentified and was unfortunately homeless as well, and according to Nelson was sleeping around a Charing Cross Road. Nilsson said that this man looked to be in his twenties and it looked as if he lived a long life of suffering, and commented that killing him was relatively easy, according to Nilsson. This next man Nilsson had met between November and December of that year, and was said to look like an and i quote long-haired hippie between the ages of 25 and 30. end quote Nilsson met him in the west end after pubs had started to close this man was also never identified the next unidentified man and the ninth victim was described as an 18-year-old blue-eyed Scot who wore a tracksuit and trainers. This was in early 1981, and they had met at the Golden Lion pub, and he was invited to Nilsson's flat for a drinking game which ended with this young man's death. This next victim, Nilsson said, he couldn't recall much of him other than for the fact that he originally came from Belfast and was in his early 20s. They had also met in the West End after closing hours. He was strangled with a necktie and placed under the floorboards, according to Nelson. This next man, uh, later on, Nelson claimed that he had lied about it, but I will add it in, Due to there being no knowledge of whether this is true or not, Nilsson claimed that this man was roughly 20 and that they had met at Leicester Square. The man was invited back on the account of being promised a meal and booze. The difference with this man is that Nilsson said that he hung this man's torso in his room for 24 hours before placing him under the floorboards. In late 1981, Malcolm Barlow was a 23-year-old epileptic who spent a lot of his life in an orphanage and just in care due to his epilepsy. He was the final one to be murdered at 195 Melrose Avenue after going to Nelson's home to thank him or helping him when he needed medical help because he was having a seizure at that time. According to Nilsen, he stored Malcolm Barlow in a cupboard in his kitchen because there was no room. A small break, but I'm sure many are wondering how he disposed of these men's bodies. Well, before moving to his new home at 23 Cranley Gardens, In Dennis Nilsen's flat, you can imagine there was a very unforgettable smell that was permeating from the floorboards and just his home in general. And under those floorboards, they were beginning to get fuller. Over time, he would take and dismember the remains, burn them in his backyard, then bury them right there. After hearing that, you may be wondering, well, how did no one notice, and why didn't his neighbors say anything? Well, one thing I will not do is fault them. They felt it was none of their business, so they didn't pry, and they never imagined that these things were going on, and that he was just burning trash in his backyard. So, while if there were someone to say something then, he might have been caught sooner. However, this is not the case. And to that, no one is to blame other than this coward known as Dennis Nilsson, who took advantage and took away the lives of these young men. I will go into the rest of these men now. 23-year-old John Howlett, met Dennis Nilsson in a pub near Leicester Square before joining him to his new home. He had fallen asleep there and woke up to find that he was being strangled and John Howlett was drowned in the bathtub. He was dismembered and had various parts of his body flushed down the drain and the larger parts of his bones. I quote, thrown out with the rubbish, end quote. This was in early 1982. In late 1982, 27-year-old Graham Allen was a tourist who was trying to find his way through London's West End. He had bumped into Nielsen and was invited back to his home. He was identified through dental records and due to having healed fractures on his jawbone on january twenty sixth of nineteen eighty three twenty three year old Stephen Sinclair was the final victim of Dennis Nelson. They had met on Oxford Street when Stephen Sinclair was invited back to which, while there, they drank and Sinclair was a heroin addict, and so he had injected himself with some, and amidst his high, or when he was asleep, he was then strangled to death. The way that Dennis Nelson was identified one winter day, when a plumbing company was called to unblock the sewer system running through there. When they had opened the drains, they were hit with the smell and found that it was packed with a flesh-like substance. The inspector plus supervisor had then immediately called the police, and that is when a spiral of things began. The police arrived and had asked Nielsen if they could check around his home, to which he had calmly allowed them in. Right as authorities entered, they were hit with the smell of rotting flesh and checked around his room, so when they asked where it was coming from, Nilsen had pointed at his wardrobe, and there they found two large black garbage bags full of remains. They arrested him on the spot, and the inspector that was with him had essentially asked him how many were there. The inspectors believed that there were only one or two, to which Nilsson then replied with, fifteen or sixteen which had shocked the investigators. What was even more shocking to them and to the rest of London, essentially, was that he confessed to everything. The only issue was identifying every victim. They searched top to bottom in both 23 Cranley Gardens and eventually uncovering the rest of the victims at 195 Melrose Avenue which in the beginning proved to be extremely difficult due to the ground being frozen over as it was winter time. Nielsen's trial began that year to which he pled not guilty, but in the end, he was charged for over six counts of murder and was sentenced to a minimum of 25 years to life. If you'd like, I thoroughly suggest and recommend reading uh, any books that you can on him and checking out the netflix documentary that goes through a lot of the case as well as the trial and also contains clips of over 250 hours worth of audio tapes that he recorded while in prison the documentary is called memories of a murderer the nelson tapes Dennis Nelson spent the rest of his life in prison, and on May 12, 2018, he passed away due to pulmonary embolism and retroperitoneal hemorrhaging after serving 34 years of his sentence. Now, there you have it the case of the Muswell Hill murderer, Dennis Nelson. A man who had taken advantage of the people and the hardships that others at the time were dealing with within the UK. Now, thank you for being here with me today and hear me tell you about this case. Now, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay lovely. Because I hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.